2: And
3: greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you on this uh, beautiful Monday here in in uh, Portland, Oregon. Uh, it is just an amazing time to be alive. Uh, it, Paul Krugman's lies, 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 lies. I don't know if you saw this in the New York Times. I'm going to get to that in a little bit. But I, I wanted to start out. With uh, a riff on a piece that I published on Alternet over the weekend. It, it went up, uh, I don't know, six, eight hours ago at org, And it's titled, The America I Knew um, is Pretty Much Gone. It's, actually, that's not the exact title. Let me let me pull it up. And The America I Knew has almost disappeared. There we go. And uh, what's left of our democratic institutions are under siege. And it's not just our democratic institutions, it's our country. Uh, For example, and this is, this is just by way of, you know, my example for the day, right? Uh, But you know, we all have them, right? In every, every field, in every industry, it's like, you know, we're not being dealt with as American citizens and as American consumers, the way historically we have been. for example, the modern moving industry was really, I mean, literally created in the 1800s, in the early 1800s, um, when they had the Calistoga uh, uh, cars, the Calistoga, well, actually there's a word for them. And, and uh, hang on just a second, I'll get it for you. And the, 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 excuse me, Conestoga wagons is what they were called. This is around 1800. This is when, Americans started moving west, and then the railroads happened. And uh, in 1927, Arrow Mayflower Transit Company, which is today known as Mayflower, became the first company to be awarded a license for moving people by the Interstate Commerce Commission. Um, and, And the way that this all happened was, in 1935, Congress passed what was called the Motor Carrier Act to promote, quote, fair competition. In 48, the Reed Bullwinkle Act was passed by Congress. And basically what these laws did is they said that if you're a moving company, you can't rip off your customers. Well, in 1980, they passed a new Motor Carrier Act that deregulated the the, uh, the trucking industry, the moving industry. And so, you know, deregulated by Congress. Now, this was Jimmy Carter was president, but this was and there was this whole deregulation craze. And so now we're in a situation where, for example, on September 2nd, now today is October 16th. So September 2nd was a month and a half ago. A moving company picked up both Louise and I's, all of our personal stuff, but also much of our office stuff, including the set for this show, which is a month and a half ago and uh, guaranteeing us delivery here in Portland between nine and 21 days. So Louise flew out here and uh, waited two weeks. Nothing happened. Uh, she came back to DC. The company stopped re- uh, taking our phone calls, stopped replying to our emails. Uh, she drove uh, our car out out here to Portland. Uh took four days to go all across the country with a dog and two cats to meet the moving van and waited here another week. We still haven't heard from them. We have no idea where our stuff is. We have no idea even if our stuff is. And I'm talking about, you know, like a lifetime of baby pictures and everything else. It's just like Imagine, you know, this is, and and I'm not complaining about this specifically. I might on another, in another show, (laughs) because, I mean, I'm looking at these people in California who literally lost everything, and, uh, you know, what they're going through is so much worse than just, you know, being a month and a half without your stuff and, you know, sleeping on air mattresses and, and, uh, you know... Basically, not and not knowing where your stuff is, but you know, I'm assuming it's coming, and I'm assuming that when it's come, when it finally comes here, there's going to be some sort of you know ransom-taking behavior on the part of the movers because the, this uh, company, if you look at their Yelp comments, seems to have that as a as a history. But it's just, you know, prior to 1980, that would have been illegal. If a moving company contracted to do something, they actually had to do it. They were actually regulated. There were regulators and there was, you know, and uh, now not so much. So I'm looking at the, at not just, you know, the, you know, our example of just being screwed by a moving company and if, or whatever, I'm not sure that we've been screwed yet. We've, well, 40 days without your stuff, 45 days, whatever it is, month and a half. But but we see this all across the country. I mean, we see this in every industry. You see how the airlines are treating their pa- their their customers these days. You see how banks are treating their customers these days, where people are routinely getting ripped off on their credit cards. They're routinely getting ripped off. I mean, ripoff is like the major business model in American business right now. And I, I would argue that this comes out of the deregulation fervor of the late seventies and the, and the, the and the eighties. And yes, yeah, some Democrats bought into it, thought, well, maybe we should, uh, you know, I mean, this is, keep in mind, this is like a 30 year effort. The Powell memo was in 1971. Although in 1980, that was only a decade later. But the, the, the destruction of America, of America's values just absolutely shocks me. Paul Krugman for example, and and, and the fact that the, in, in declaring this war against America and American values, I mean Bannon came out over the weekend I guess it was, and just came right out and said that Donald Trump's defunding of the seven billion dollars of the cost sharing uh, uh, payments, the uh, CSRs, that that this was an intentional plan to blow up Obamacare. Right? A very specific and intentional plan to blow up Obamacare. It this is not a test, this was this was, you know, this was not a political statement. It's just we're gonna do it. And people will die as a result of this. We, we know, I mean, you know, Harvard University documented so well that on average, prior to uh, the Affordable Care Act, about 44,000 Americans every year were dying because they didn't have access to health to care. Or the access that they had was so expensive that they didn't use it. Or the medications that they got were so expensive that they couldn't afford them. And that number appears to be down to like, you know, maybe 15 or 20,000 Americans are dying every year now because they don't have access to health care. And most of those are in the the red states that did not expand Medicaid. But blowing this up is just going to, it's going to devastate this country. So in my article, I started it out with, um, you know, President Jimmy Carter telling me on my radio show uh, about the Citizens United decision. And I don't know if, Troy, do you have that as a regular clip? Jimmy, Jimmy Carter on democracy. Yeah, no, it's all right. It's going to take you more than a minute. It's okay. Um, yeah, Jimmy Carter said that, you know, I said, I asked him, you know, what do you think about Citizens United? He said Citizens United violates the essence of what made America a great country and its political system. Now it's just an oligarchy with unlimited political bribery being the essence of getting the nominations for president or to elect the president. And the same thing applies to U.S. governors and senators and congress members. So what we've seen is a complete subversion of our political system as a payoff to major contributors. This is the president of the United States, Jimmy Carter, uh, what, three years ago on, on this program, just coming right out and saying it. And this complete subversion of our political system grew in large part out of Richard Nixon appointing Lewis Powell. In 71, Powell wrote the Powell Memo encouraging the chamber of commerce to start getting politically active in 72 nixon put him on the supreme court in 76 in the buckley decision the supreme court ruled that when billionaires or big corporations give money to politicians and those politicians begin dancing to the tune of the billionaires and the big corporations that is no longer considered bribery that is now considered first amendment
2: protected free speech pretty bizarre huh we'll be right back this is the Tom Hartman program to America as we knew it?
3: How has America changed in your life? We'll be back. Welcome back, Tom Hartman, here with you and uh, John in Minneapolis. Hey, John, thanks for calling. It's on your yeah, mind.
4: Yeah, um, I just, you know, I've uh, I'm a little younger than you. And I've just seen a, you know, gradual and maybe and sometimes a quick degeneracy from uh, the times that I remember growing up, Um, except for the fact that, you know, for a brief period of time, apparently, it seemed like African Americans and other groups, uh, diversity, you know, was, you know, coming to the fore, and that seemed like a good thing, but actually, Uh, You know, really, we labor under, um, I guess, a capitalist system that uh, is very aggressively capitalistic to the point where, um, you know, truth and justice really don't have much to do with it. It's all about money, legalism, how you can, you know, basically empower yourself over another person. It's really, in so many ways, just bankrupt, And I don't know how we're going to get out of it. We seem to be sliding in one direction. And people like yourself, I think, are doing a good service in in trying to bring us away from it. And uh, there's a lot of hopeful signs. But, um, you know, this is, uh, you know, it's not a game of chess or anything. We're we're, um, really... (laughs) I I mean, it's almost to the point where we better also start developing some kind of uh, spiritual muscle, too, because uh, you can stand on your head and spin and make all kinds of great arguments. um, Not yourself. I'm not talking about just you, but a lot of people. I listen to Amy Goodman every morning, and uh, she's making very excellent points. Now, how, how do we get out of it? That's the thing. You know it, and so I'm hopeful because I think what else do you have but hope in the end you know i um you know it, it is just glaringly different from the time I grew up uh as far as opportunities for people and whatnot, but I think most of it was built on a lot of wealth. we were the wealthiest country we came out of two world wars uh, a shining you know beacon on a hill and um we we, uh, I don't know. At some point, the the wealthy just said, "Well, enough of, of this democracy stuff. We need to reassert ourselves over the population," and
3: yeah. um, that's what they've done. Yeah, it it has been a, a a takeover. It's 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 really a remarkable thing, John. And and, and it's not. It's like history. In fact, in, my, in the in my article for Alternate, I. I quoted uh, Sam Clemens, Mark Twain, um, saying that, you know, history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. Whether he said it or not is, is a matter of debate, but it's t- typically attributed to him. And that, that we saw something very similar in the 1920s, that in the election of 1920, Harding uh, ran, Warren Harding ran on the platform of less business in, uh, less government in business, more business in government. In other words, deregulate and privatize. And Th- which is essentially the same thing as Reagan. You know, it's like this: the, the cycle just kind of came around, and we're still living in this this, uh, this Reagan period. And the deregulation leads to the airlines get to rip you off, the moving companies get to rip you off, the fast food companies get to serve you stuff that produces obesity and diabetes. The uh, the the I mean, the the pharmaceutical companies <laughs> get to make things that kill you and and, and sell them and promote them and all like that. Kind. It just, it just goes on and on and on. And the the banks, you know, and, 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 you know, Wells Fargo got busted for creating, you know, all these, what, millions of phony accounts and charging people for them. And so they had to pay a fine, but now, you know, all the banks are funding a giant lobbying effort to eviscerate uh, Dodd-Frank, which made it possible to, you know, which created the, 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 uh, uh, the, the financial oversight bureau that made possible the, the stopping of Wells Fargo. I mean, it's just, all the efforts of corporate America seem to be focused on taking down the, you know, small D democracy or a, a, a functioning republic. It's 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 just mind boggling to me. Uh, John, I got to move along, but thanks for the call, uh, Paul in uh, Woodenville, Washington. Hey, Paul, what's up?
5: Hey, Tom. Um, yeah, I wanted to talk about these subsidies that uh, Trump is not paying on the Affordable Care Act. Uh, mm-hmm some of the policies that purchased on the exchange. The, this is the 7 or $8 billion is, first of all, you have to understand, this came as tax revenue collected from the pharmaceutical companies, but he's legally not, doesn't have to uh, uh, pay these subsidies because apparently Congress never specifically allocated these funds specifically for the subsidies,
3: Right. They well, authorized the, the executive branch. To,
5: in to, the U.S. Treasury, impounded, right. doing nothing. Congress has never appropriated this money, so it can't be spent to do anything. It, they can't even give the money back if the Republicans thought that was a good thing to do to give the money back to the pharmaceutical companies. So Trump has done this for the sole purpose of wrecking things, just wrecking okay. everything. Yep. Because. While the Affordable Care Act is still in place because the Republicans could not repeal and replace, the, the uh, insurance companies that stay on the exchanges still have to sell those silver plans, This applies to the silver plans, at the same rate as if they were getting the subsidies. Yep. So yep. the choice is to do that and then raise, raise premiums on regular... No, uh, this, on is,
3: regular this, this is Donald we're Trump throwing government. a tantrum and breaking things. Well said, Paul. Thank you for the call. Hey, Tom Harbin here with the Tom Harbin Program. You know I'm serious about my health, and so I'm doing something for it. You've heard me talking about Super Beats. I'm drinking Super Beats, circulation superfood powder that helps support my heart and healthy blood pressure, too. I have amazing energy, amazing stamina as well. The New York Times calls Beats fitness in a glass. With Super Beats, I get all the benefits without the bad taste or added sugar. Mix it in water or a smoothie for a jitter-free energy boost. You'll love the taste of Super Beats and feel results in as little as 20 minutes guaranteed of your money back. Try the original berry or black cherry. I like them both. If you haven't tried it yet, now is the time. Only for the summer, you can try Superbeats, maybe the early fall here. Try Superbeats for only $5.95. Here's how. Call now and get a free box of Superbeats with 10 packets to try and feel the results, plus two free indicator strips for monitoring your nitric oxide levels before and after taking Superbeats. It's just $5.95. You'll love the results, guaranteed. More energy, more stamina, support healthy circulation. What are you waiting for? Call 800-568-9889. That's 800-568-9889. Or go to tomsbeats.com. That's tomsbeats.com. Welcome back. Tom Harmon, here with you. So what has happened to our country? And what direction is our country going? And how did we get here? It certainly seems to me that Reaganism is playing itself out the same way Hardingism played itself out in the 1920s. You get a boom followed by a bust, and Warren Harding' massive deregulation, massive privatization in the early twenties led to the Roaring Twenties, which led to the crash of nineteen twenty nine. And I would submit to you the Dow just hit twenty three thousand, that we are in the Roaring whatever it is, ought seventeen, and that if the cycle continues. At some point, it's going to be a real challenge. But but I'm looking at these political cycles too and thinking, wow, this is this is way over the top. This is way over the top. Chaz in Lakewood, Washington. Hey, Chaz, what's on your mind? Hey, Tom, let me take you off a of speaker. Thank you. Nazodrovy, so comrade.
6: Yeah.
2: What's up? yes
6: yeah. You realize that's just because we are uh, the largest territory of Russia, not about anything else. Right? Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Listen, uh, Republicans conservatives are always banging on about uh, freedom. Well, if you don't like it, move somewhere else. But you realize that like half of Republicans would be happy to live with a dictator ruling over them, right? A couple of different polls have shown that. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they ask, well, you know, why would you forsake this freedom? And I ask, well, freedom for what? To go bankrupt medically? Is it freedom when old white men tell you what you can do with your uterus when you've got the highest per capita and total incarceration rate in the world? Are you when you leave the house in a bulletproof vest? Did you see the story about this gal in uh, Santa Rosa who had survived the Las Vegas shooting, got home
3: and her house had burned down? Right. So, uh, yeah, Yeah, the NRA didn't get her. the, The global warming did. The what? The NRA didn't get her. Global global warming did. (laughs) <laughs> That's my point, Tom. I hated pull
6: the trigger so early in the week, but this is a compelling topic, and I appreciate your time. Yeah.
3: Okay, thank you very much for the for the call, Chaz. Uh, well said, uh, Denise in Chicago. Hey, Denise, what's up?
1: Oh, hey, Tom. I'm enjoying your conversation, um, and you know, just the the increasing of the, the the incomes over the last twenty or so years, maybe more so where I'm at at my age. I've I've been more cognitive and been seeing it. But I also just want to add another cultural aspect to it, and then I'll I'll let you maybe give your insights um, at and, the and end of the discussion. But I think, you know, it really starts with something that Trump did and, and, and has been very prominent out there with, with The Apprentice, uh, sh- television shows like Survivor, Big Brother, uh, these dating shows where one individual girl gets the rose. And, and none of them really, from my perspective, have any kind of, um, you know, when they win Survivor, okay, you you learn how to take out your friend. You learn how to take out anybody else so that you yourself individually are the, you know, the king, the queen, and, and the one who wins. And, and I think that has a lot to do with the psyche, and, and I've seen it played out in, in corporate American offices, you know, where people have no lo- have lost that team kind of concept, and companies are trying to get that back at the same time because... There are some. There, there are so many volatile environments out there where people are only thinking of themselves, and I just think it, it. It kind of wraps up in your conversation. I don't want to keep going on, but I think you get what I'm saying.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah,
1: I, sure and that. and like I said, I I don't think someone who wins Big Brother should should gain celebrity status. You know, what do they do? Yeah, <laughs> no, it's it's kind of a. Um, for well, there, so, uh, there's
3: a there's a fascinating post over at uh, TPM this morning, Denise, um, in which it's uh, the author is suggesting that there are two negotiating strategies, basically, when you're trying to accomplish something, um, or when you're trying to compete with somebody, and one is the 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 famous cliche of the win-win strategy. So, you know, we we negotiate something, I get something, you get something, everybody gets something, we all win. The other is the win-lose strategy. The only way that that the person A knows the person B or knows that they have won over person B is if they destroy person B. And that apparently Donald Trump his whole life has used the win-lose strategy, that he has never been a win-win guy. And now we're seeing this applied to our country. And in our foreign relations, in our business relations, in our tax things, in our, in our, you know, uh, political parties, Democrats versus Republicans, Donald Trump versus Bob Corker, you know, Donald Trump versus everybody. It's, it's, he doesn't understand how to do win-win things. And as a consequence, we're not, we're not in a win-win country anymore. We're in this, we're this, this horrible win-lose situation so I think that you're right, Denise, that there are huge cultural aspects to our to our economy, and that that story about how you compete is is one aspect of that. Denise, thanks for the call very, very well said uh Dave in Buffalo New York hey Dave, what's on your mind today
7: uh, thanks tom uh, I'm making a a clarification on the reorganization of gun policy on Friday's show. I had mentioned about how we might be able to reorganize uh, our gun policies, and you had brought up that uh, you like your idea as well, uh, but I, I didn't forsake uh, the your aspect of it. I just dropped it from the conversation due to time restraints. Sure. And, then on, uh, and then on the uh, end of just taking your gun out the back door and shooting it up, I didn't necessarily mean that uh, as a fact that uh, if your property allows you to hunt out your back door or allows you to go to property that's adjacent to a field or a forest that allows you to hunt, then you can go out your back door and hunt. But once you leave your front door, you need to hire a company to take your gun to where you'll be shooting, either at a lodge or yeah. a fire. I remember, remember your argument,
3: Dave. I and and you know, there's it makes a certain amount of sense and and, and probably there are variations of it in, in other countries. I I just think it's extremely unlikely that we'll see something like that promulgated in the United States, but, but but you know, I think it's a good idea. Dave, thanks for the call. Uh, Gary in Kingmont, West Virginia. Hey, Gary, what's on your mind today?
8: Hello, Tom, thank you. You're back in the fresher air of Portland, Oregon, huh? Indeed, yeah. So what's yeah. up? Yeah, well, I have to do it. Greed has no heart ever. It's our cancer in America, and it's kind of ironic this is what you're talking about today. And we have, and let me, if I may, address the questions you present, because you asked, you threw the question out there, which was the right question. To me, in my humble opinion, what has happened to America is rather simple to me. It's it's that history has repeated itself,
5: hmm.
8: and greed has become more intensely, it's more intensely trenched. History has repeated itself, and and culturally. And I'm not, not better people out there than me, but we seem to develop a culture of less gentlemen and less ladies that seem unable to deal with it.
6: Mm.
3: To me, that's what's happened. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. And, and, and also we have been collectively wounded. I mean, the billionaires have been massively benefited, but Reaganism has collectively wounded the American working class and, and, uh, I, and as a consequence, you've got all these people who have been, who have been harmed, who actually have, you know, have the, the, the in fact, there's a great piece in, I think it was the New York Times over the weekend, uh, uh, you know, in the magazine section about, you know, the, how when the steel mills left, people lost not only their jobs and, and good livelihoods, but they also left, lost their sense of identity. You know, how badly we've all been wounded by this And then once we are all experiencing, or many of us, you know, large chunks of the American workforce are experiencing the shock of Reaganism and, uh, you know, the end of big government as as we know it, and the end of the social safety net, all these kinds of things. Um, The, you know, the the Republicans a year before that, a couple of years back, ending long-term unemployment benefits, for example, beyond, you know, one year, things like that. So then, you know, people look around and go, okay, who screwed me? And Donald Trump comes along and says, it was those nasty Wall Street bankers, and it was those nasty, you know, uh, insiders, and it's the deep state, and, you know, and Steve Bannon is,
6: we're
3: going to deconstruct the state, right, which is, you know, uh, a metaphor for we're going to take apart America. And people go, well, okay, you know, it's not working right now, so sure, what the heck? Uh, You know, this is now not ignoring the fact that Donald Trump actually lost the popular vote by almost 3 million votes. But that said, still, you know, what, what got him at least as far as he is, is that a lot of people know that they've been wounded, that they've been injured by, by these policies. So anyhow, uh, Gary, excellent points. Thank you. Ray in Bellevue, Washington. Hey, Ray, what's on your mind today?
9: Hey, Tom. Well, let me start by saying thank you for your voice and all this craziness. You provide a great service and we appreciate it. Thank you, Ray. The reason I'm calling is, uh, to expand on your opening story about the moving company uh, situation, uh, and it's an example that I call the racketeering of American business, and it's the health insurance uh, business industry. For, um, you know, we're originally from Canada, and we've lived here 22 years. We've been insured by a variety of different companies, and in all of that time, over the hundreds of invoices, roughly two-thirds of them have always been incorrect and never once have they been less than what we should have paid. They've always been more. Right. And of course, those those invoices are buried in impossibly complicated, you know, a uh, web of charges. So it's 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 a business strategy. It's a systematic milking and overcharging of the American healthcare consumers.
10: It's it's disgusting.
3: Yeah, it's also profitable. <laughs> it's insanely uh-huh. profitable. And, and, and you're, you're absolutely right, Ray. And this is, this is what I was talking about. You get either one of, one of two things happens, right? When you, when you uh, deregulate an industry, you either get the situation like we have with healthcare or with banking, where a very small number of very, very large companies come to basically own the entire marketplace, or you get what I'm experiencing in the moving industry, which is where, you know, thousands of quote, new competitors emerge. And on some of them, are clearly not competing by providing good service. They're competing by lying to their to their customers and essentially, you know, ripping them off. Ray, thanks a lot for the call. We'll be
2: right back. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com Hartman.com for audio and video archives.
3: More of your calls, the news of the day, and my thoughts on all of the above right after the Welcome back, Tom Harlan here with you, and Freddie in Tucson, Arizona. Hey, Freddie, what's on your mind today? Uh,
8: Tom, first time caller,
3: and... What happened, Freddie? Freddie? Freddie, I think I've lost you here. I'm I'm gonna put Freddie on hold here, and uh, he's on line. Oh, Freddie just vanished. Okay, Uh, Freddie. Give us a call back and we'll we'll see what we can do here. Jenny in Asheville. What is that, Asheville, South Carolina? North Carolina? Jenny? What is going on? Hybrid number one? Okay, I'm gonna put Jenny on hold. And let's try another one. Charles okay. in Miami. Hey, Charles, can Hi. you hear me? Hello? Hey, Charles. Hey, how you doing today Tom? Good, what's on your mind?
11: I'm um, just thinking about all of this stuff with um Donald Trump., oh, I really wanted to talk about him, but first of all, let's not forget that the Republicans are just sitting by idly. They're not doing anything. Paul Ryan isn't doing anything. Mitch McConnell is just letting everything slide um because they upset I mean, they don't want to upset the cart because I think their main agenda is basically as long as he can pass his biggest tax break ever that they you know, they're
3: willing to deal with everything. Yeah. And, and I, I think that they're going to support the billionaires. are going to support Trump as long as they think he's going to sign a tax break for them. But if it becomes obvious that he can't even pull that off, that's going to be the beginning of the end of the Trump presidency. In my opinion, that's the point at which, uh, all the, most of the billionaires, the, probably the Mercer family accepted are going to say, okay, we're pulling the plug. But I think
11: the reason why Trump is, Disassembling the um, or trying to disassemble the Iran deal, and he's um, done away with um, this restriction on on Obamacare, where they're going to give you less coverage and they're going to take away the subsidies. Is because he's trying to make an argument that he inherited a mess, you know, and the, and the Democrats, to me, they have to come out of full force. They have to do whatever. And and just make this a campaign slogan. Everything that he's done that he's undoing, you know, Democrats made it better when yeah. Obama was there. You know, so basically this is the fight. And you know, and one, one last thing I wanted to say, as far as this monument, as far as these Confederate monuments, what do you think about um building a wall like we did for the Vietnam veterans? And we can have a wall for the Confederates and for the unions soldiers and we could put the narrative on
3: them. That's, that's right. You know. Charles, there's a big um, difference. The, the people, people who went off to Vietnam, uh, whether it was voluntarily or involuntarily via the draft, at least many of them believed that they were fighting for the United States of America. The Confederate soldiers were fighting against the United States of America.
11: And that is the narrative we should put on
3: the wall. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, this uh, is, you know, this is like, ended, never forget the treason that was committed in 1860 against the United States. I mean, that, that would be the way that I would take it if, if I was going to make any kind of a memorial, or if I was going to go around at all the Confederate war memorials all around the country and put a new plaque on them. Never can, never forget the great treason. Never forget, you know, here, here stands a statue of Stonewall Jackson, a traitor to his nation. That, that in my opinion is how it should be handled. Charles, thank you. Thank you for the call. Uh, uh, Well said. Carol in Manassan, Pennsylvania. Hey, Carol, what's on your mind today?
0: Hi, Tom. Good show. Thank you. I'd like to um, list a few things that are different from when I was in school in the 50s. Mm -hmm. First of all, like John, we never locked our doors. I grew up in a small, basically affluent Republican town. But, you know, we didn't have to lock our doors or cars. I went to school with the same kids for 12 years, not one who graduated with me was obese, not mm. one. Yeah, and we had no junk food in our town. Yep, none, yep. none. But the biggest thing right now is uh, here we are, the richest country in the world, and our president is allowing Americans to drink toxic waste water. I
3: mean, that is just. Oh, and he's increasing the supply of it.
0: Yes, yes, I know, I know. Uh, I mean, it's it, it, it also back when I was young. Uh, uh, taxes weren't a dirty word. I mean, it seemed like even Republicans like Eisenhower, you know,
3: mm-hmm. knew
0: that you had to have taxes. You had to have revenue to build highways and yeah. bridges. Eisenhower and, maintained and a top that's... tax
3: rate of 91%. <laughs> yeah,
0: I know. And we got things done. Yes. But today, thanks to Grover Norquist or uh, you know, whatever, uh it's a dirty word. You can't mention taxes. You can't mention socialism. You know, I mean it's ridiculous. And it's all from Reagan and, and the marriage of Reagan with uh Powell, which I think was the first gay marriage. But anyway, they got it together and and they really destroyed this country over time.
3: Yeah. I th- I think it's it's an ongoing process, but I don't disagree. Carol, thank you. William in nine mile falls, Washington. Hey William, what's on your mind?
8: Well Tom, just to add to the conversation here is is what's going on. To me, it's a matter of between computers knowing everything about you and advertising. It's proof advertising works. You know, when Frank Luntz gets his focus group together, after after a couple of focus groups, he can honestly convince somebody that he's killing you for your own good, and they buy it. Yeah. You know, when when Amazon <laughs> merges with Walmart and Fox merges with Sinclair Broadcasting, you know you're never going to get. A bunch of news, you're just going to get
7: what
3: they want you to hear. Yeah. Uh, well, we're by and large not getting news right now. I'm <laughs> by and large getting what they want us to hear. And uh, but but yeah, I think your your point is well taken. And you know those those mergers are not being contemplated right now. But it's the it, it's functionally the same thing. I mean, you've got all these giant corporations. They have interlocking boards of directors. Uh, you know, the CEOs are all members of of the. Of the the, the business roundtable, which is the two hundred biggest companies in, the, in America, their they're CEOs, uh, John Snow used to be the head of that. The George W. Bush made him Transportation Secretary, you may recall, and it, it's it is a, it is a very powerful thing. The 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 impact of advertising on us, the impact of all this this, this uh, media, but in particular, the biggest problem in, in my mind, please is that our media is telling us what is going to be most profitable for the media rather than what is most useful or important for us to know in order to be functioning, uh, you know, high-integrity, honest members of a, of a democratic republic. And, you know, whether we're Democrats or Republicans, we are not being well-served by our media. William, thank you for the call. We'll be back right after. When was the last time you looked forward to sitting at your desk all day? Since getting my new X chair, not only am I enjoying the time spent in my desk much more than ever, but I can't believe how much more productive I'm being. My X chair is unbelievably stylish, and thanks to all the ways that you can personalize it, it literally molds itself to my body. Trust me, this is not your grandfather's office chair. And because I don't need to keep having to take breaks or to stretch my back, I'm getting more done in a day than ever before. If you spend a lot of time in your office chair every day, then you need to try the X chair. In fact, here's a terrific deal just for my listeners. The makers of XChair want you to feel the X Chair difference for yourself. So if you go to XChairTom.com, that's the letter X chair, T-H-O-M, dot com, not only will they knock $100 off the price, but they'll even throw in a free footrest if you use the promo code TOM. Just go to XChairTom.com now. I love my X XChair, and you will too. So check out XChairTom as XChair, T-H-O-M, dot com, Check out XChairTom.com and be sure to use T-H-O-M in, as the promo code for your $100 discount.
2: You're listening to Tom Hartman.
3: Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. Well, liberals have brought, have brought us a lot. Uh, it, you look back over the history of the United States, you see, you know, Liberals brought us the United States to begin with. Thomas Jefferson was a product of the Enlightenment. These guys were all pointing to the Enlightenment. Uh, so brought us literally the United States of America, uh, brought us the right to free speech, brought us the, the, the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, all of them brought, liberals brought the end of slavery, liberals brought the right to vote and expanded the right to vote, uh, first to freed slaves, then to women. Uh, we uh, Liberals brought you the weekend. Liberals defined decent wages, workman's comp, uh, work, workplace benefits, the vacation. Liberals brought you the weekend. I mean literally, uh, parental paid time off. we brought you liberals brought you pu- public education, free public education and raised millions out of poverty. Um, science, medicine, rural electricity, writes uh, Joshua Eric uh, Tercott, uh over at the uh, Quora. Uh, website um, and all of these things, even the, even the GI Bill, which was passed after World War II, the Republicans fought against the GI Bill, which uh, provided benefits to uh, eight million American veterans. More than eight million of them used used just the college benefits, as as my father did. I can't think of anything that the Republicans have brought us in certainly in my lifetime of any comparable benefit, and yet. The Republicans are running around right now, saying it's time to take down the New Deal and the Great Society. You know all this this list of things that I just read. So, uh, with us on the line right now is is Julio Rivera. He is the editorial director at Reactionary Times, columnist with Newsmax, uh, right wing news and politi- politichicks. Uh, ReactionaryTimes.com, the website. Oh yeah, it's Julio. Is his Twitter uh, handle? Hey, Julio, welcome back to the program.
12: Uh, hi, Tom. I was listening. I was listening to you there just for a moment, and I couldn't help but um, realize that you omitted the fact that the 13th, the 14th, and the 15th Amendments were.
3: Uh, Julio, were Julio, to Julio. The Party. You're, you're hey, credit, Julio. Credit to hey, Julio. Hey, that. Julio. That's, that's not true. Julio, can you pick oh, up your phone? I can't hear you. Okay. Hey, Tom. Can you hear me better now? Yes. That now I can hear you. So start okay, over well, again. Me, I couldn't hear on, you. And I, and I have to say this because.
12: I, I listened to what you said as we were leading into my segment, the 13th, the 14th and the 15th Amendments were brought to America by the Republican party.
3: When the Republicans you know, were liberals. Liberal. Yes, you're right. You're absolutely right. I'm talking not
12: liberal conservative, not
3: Democrat Republican.
12: The other part of it too, is who filibustered the civil rights act in
3: 1964 for 57 days, conservatives. The Democrat party. There was no conservative ideology. That's such a, big it was conservatives. Lie. It was Southern conservatives. It was Strom Thurmond. I was alive then, Julio. Hugh I Thurman remember. The they, only were, they were conservatives. Parties. And you can't base him. You can't so base please, please tell one, me anything that conservatives have brought saying us. Saying that the entire thing switched. That's not true. Julio, in, 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 in the 66 years I've been on this planet, I cannot think of one single thing conservatives have brought us that has been a benefit to the United States. Can you please name one? Really? Listen, go, listen conservative
12: reforms are the only thing that's going to bring back this. Please name one. You know, listen to the cutting taxes in the 80s. Cutting taxes in the 80s led to an economic boom. No, it did not. Are you kidding me? No, cutting cutting taxes in the 80s led to the biggest crash since the the Great Depression. Cutting taxes, oh, hyperinflation, all these things. But there's no proof to it. In in the 1980s, we grew by leaps and bounds. We we actually um, grew slower in the 80s than we did in the 70s, 60s, or
3: 50s, Julio. Look it up.
12: John F. Kennedy as well.
3: So it's not like it hasn't been done on both sides.
12: Coolio, we, so we grew a blue dog Democrat. You are like, you are completely
3: you know, what we have today. You are completely reinventing history. First no, of all, John Kennedy history.
12: You're reinventing history, my man.
3: John Kennedy campaigned on raising taxes on rich people by closing loopholes, dropping the top rate, and closing the loopholes. He campaigned on it. He debated Richard Nixon on it. Um, I may even have and the audio for, to play for
12: Nobody disagrees with that, but I mean, and the but the rates across the board should be brought down as they were in the 80 s. Reagan gave tax cuts
3: to every, you know, on Reagan's cutting the taxes exploded the deficit, Julio. Your choice. Which would you rather have lower taxes Listen, on billionaires no, an increase in and a huge in deficit 1980s. or no Nobody's deficit? He's going to argue that. But that had a little bit more to do
12: with Tip O'Neill. But, and, you know, and, Julio, so, so let me get this asking, straight. Asking, let me no, hang, no. hang on, just
3: a second. Let me just get this straight. I just said, okay, in the last 66 years, can you think of anything that conservatives have brought us that has been a, a benefit to the United States? And you said basically tax cuts for millionaires and billionaires. I No, tax cuts for everyone. Okay, but tax cuts every for level. everyone. That's what we should have. I would argue that now, that
12: did nowadays, not do In order a to make single, it more competitive for smaller and mid-sized businesses to compete— With the large corporatists. Then why have the smaller and mid-sized businesses been wiped out by big corporations?
3: The rich, but it's not because of Donald Trump, and it's not because of conservative policy. So the only thing from the last 60 plus years, the conservatives have done that you, that has been in your opinion, a benefit to America is cutting taxes in the eighties. Is, is that, is that what you're about saying? The fact that we defeated communism, how about the fact, how about that? You want to give Ray? I think, credit for I, that? I, I, think that you could
12: safely or say that it was brought that to you by you liberals To because you believe in communism and socialism.
3: That's where the divide comes in. Tom Julio, you are unable to identify anything. The conservatives have done for oh, America. No, I, I did. So we cut taxes, we increased the military,
12: we brought, you know, we, we ended the scourge of the USSR. I mean, I think that's a positive thing. We brought some these, semblance of, you know, their version of capitalism to Russia, but at least we, we did that. I mean, those are good things. We consistently fight for life. You know, you think that liberalism, which has killed millions and millions, it's been a genocide of the black community after Roe versus Wade. Do you think that that's something positive in this country? Why is the black community still only 13% of the population for the
3: last hundred years? I'll tell you why. Because of Planned Parenthood. This is, this is, this is bizarre, Julio. So, So your solution, you're saying that the good thing that conservatives would do for America if they had an opportunity with regard to abortion is outlawing it altogether? Is that do I have no, that not
12: correct? Not outlawing it altogether. Give it back to the states. Let them decide how they want to run it. But have right. so some, some people can live the in in liberals nowadays. They want you know uh, late term abortion up to the to the birth.
3: That's that's inhumane. So so that's once murder. again, Julio, you are unable to identify anything Listen, that conservatives have brought over us Over and over again doesn't make it true. You know, I, I did identify. I identified three things. No, and, and I'm disputing way. them. I'm saying that what you know, the 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 restrictions on abortion lead to actually more abortions, and they and they lead to you no, know they greater, they greater dangers for what women. Is the, the tax personal cuts personal that, that that, that, that Trump brought us. If, if, he, if he keeps talking over me, just pot him down a little bit, please. The, tr- the tax cuts that ch- that, uh, that Bush brought us and that Reagan brought us just exploded the, the distance between very, very well, rich and very, very poor in America. Bush, Bush was not as comprehensive, and he should have been more. I'm not seeing anything again, here. You know,
12: Bush was a little bit more uh, further to the left, obviously, than Reagan. And was. then Steve Bannon comes along
3: and says, yes, Trump is Neal. Trump is doing away with the CSRs because he wants to destroy Obamacare. He wants to destroy health care for Americans, for low-income no, he Americans. He wants to expand choices. For Americans and the interstate sale of
12: insurance and taking away the what what's referred to as like either mandatory minimums or essential benefits, people should be able to purchase a la carte what they want. Why should I have to pay for a sex change for somebody across the country? If I, if I don't feel because we're all in the same pool, Julio, my
3: religious values. why, why should why, I have to pay for abortion? because we're all in the same pool? Why should I pay taxes when I don't have kids well, we in, shouldn't be in the same pool? No, because being in the making one direct
12: pool to me is a violation of the First Amendment. What? It's a violation of the First Amendment. So, and so, so you the, the think that if is, somebody is drawing Social Security
3: and you disagree if, with their lifestyle that you shouldn't pay into Social Security? Well nobody said anything
12: about social security now you're taking one you're taking one thing Well there, you know I'm, I'm taking your
3: logic which is you know you you don't like no, that the I'm government is helping somebody out that you healthcare. don't like If
12: I don't believe in, let's say I'm like Rick Santorum and I don't believe in birth control Rick Santorum has like 8 to 10 kids or something like that if you don't believe in birth control then why should you have to pay if it violates your first amendment right to to, to you know freedom of religion
3: So somebody all who all doesn't sudden, believe sitting, somebody who doesn't believe
12: into a system, that's providing birth control and abortion. That, yeah. That's wrong. That's morally wrong. This is bizarre.
3: Julio Rivera, uh, reactionarytimes.com is the website. You can tweet him yes, at sir. Oh, yeah, it's Julio. Julio, thanks for dropping by today. Hey, thank you so much, Tom. Always a pleasure. Good talk. We'll be back.
2: This is... Is the Tom Hartman program
3: okay? So we've had this contest running on the show for a decade. If you can name even one good thing Republicans have done in my lifetime, I'll send you a book. Welcome back, Tom Hartman, here with you. And let's see, that was Julio. And this, you know, this this whole long list. This uh, there's a. Uh, uh Clint Gold wrote a piece so in the Tulsa World some years ago this was in 1999 and he was talking about the various programs that have been brought to you this is America right brought to you by progressives whether it was progressive Abraham Lincoln or progressive Thomas Jefferson but you know the modern day progressives social security medicare medic every single one of these programs was opposed by conservatives every single one, social security, Medicare, Medicaid, the Peace Corps, unemployment insurance, welfare both for the poor and for corporations, civil actually the conservatives supported welfare for corporations and they continue to, civil rights, student grant and loan programs, safety laws like OSHA, environmental laws like the EPA. In fact, conservatives right now are trying to undo these regulations, trying to make America less safe, trying to make our air more poisonous because it's profitable for, their, for the people who fund them. Environmental laws, prevailing wage laws, the right to collective bargaining, which by the way, unions brought about paid medical insurance, paid vacations and pensions and things like that. That's all the result of the labor movement, which was liberals. <laughs> workers' compensation, the Marshall Plan. Uh, it, it blows my mind that, that conservatives actually opposed the Marshall Plan. Conservatives opposed the GI Bill. Uh, paid vacations, paid medical insurance, a flood disaster insurance, school lunch programs, women's rights. In every single one of these cases, conservatives have opposed them. The Fair Labor Standards Act, which established a 40-hour week and uh, put child labor laws into place, established a minimum wage, all opposed by conservatives. Uh, the FHA and HUD which created, you know, public housing and and built 44 million residential homes. Uh, Before World War II, about 70% of America were renters. By the mid-1970s, about 70% of America was homeowners. Now, that has been declining. It's in the 60s now. It's been steadily declining as a result of Reaganomics, but, you know, it's still there. Uh, Farm conservation subsidies, USDA programs, the Farmers' Home Administration, small flood control lakes, There's more than 3,000 just in Oklahoma, for example, rural water districts, rural electricity, the REA, Rural Electrification Administration, Uh, the GI Bill, Uh, millions of returning veterans. The Republicans totally opposed the GI Bill. Why? Because they thought that all these veterans coming back to the United States would be a source of cheap labor. Throw them into the labor markets. The the cost of labor is going to collapse, right? It's going to destroy the unions. Instead, Democrats passed a law saying, no, they can go to college. Eight million Americans, people like my dad and, and Louise's dad, both went to college on the GI Bill, uh, creating millions of entrepreneurs. Uh, for the un- for the unemployed GI, there was a twenty-five, there was twenty twenty dollars a week for a year, uh, which was basically a lot of money back then. I mean, we're, we're today maybe the equivalent of three four hundred dollars. Uh, the Veterans Administration, uh, two million home loans, uh, and it just it goes on. You know, for the bankers. Liberals saved the banking industry with the creation of the FDIC and the FSLIC, insuring deposits. They saved Wall Street with the, with the creation of the Securities and Exchange Commission. These were the things Franklin Roosevelt did in the 1930s. And it goes on and on. I mean, it's just, so what have Republicans brought us? I can think of nothing. And I just, you know, and 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 and. not only do I disagree with Julio on, well, they brought us tax cuts in the 80s and that was a wonderful thing. Uh, the tax cuts in the 80s just made inequality in the United States worse. And they, th- and, and Reagan tripled the national debt. Reagan ran up more debt in his eight years in the White House than all the other presidents of the United States. If you take uh, non-wartime presidents of the United States combined, combined, that's how much debt Reagan ran up with this tax cuts, And you know we had a banking collapse the the savings and loan bank you know uh, industry reagan de- deregulated the snls in anticipation of then shortly thereafter re- deregulating wall street he deregulated the snls and so boom they started behaving unethically they started being driven by greed as it were and guess what the snls went down in flames you know there was a complete collapse of the entire savings and loan industry so did the Republicans learn that lesson? Bill Bill Seidman came in, and in fact, I commend you to uh, recommend that you go over to YouTube and check out Bill Seidman's. Uh, he's he passed away a little while ago, but at uh, Grand Grand Rapids State College, I think it is. Uh, Bill Seidman, the guy who ran the agency that that basically, you know, they 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 nationalized the savings and loans banks, the SNLs, and then slowly reprivatized them in the 80s as a result of this huge disaster Reagan made. And you would think that the Republicans would look at that or the conservatives would look at that and go, you know, okay, well, we deregulated the SNLs, bad behavior followed, and a crash of the SNLs followed that. And you'd think that they'd think, you know, well, so maybe we shouldn't do the same thing with the big Wall Street banks. But sure enough, here we go, 1999, 2000, let's deregulate the big Wall Street banks. And guess what happens in 2007? I mean, it takes about seven, eight years, right? It did in in, in 1921, Warren Harding deregulated the banks. In 1929, they crashed. In 2000, you know, we we deregulated the banks. In 2007, 8, 9, they crashed. What a surprise.
2: What have Republicans brought us? Really? Nothing. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Call 202-808-9925. Back with your call.
3: back, Tom Arvin here with you, and boy, what a day. What an amazing time that we are living in. Dave, in Federal Way, Washington. Hey, Dave, what's on your mind today?
10: Hey, not too much, Tom. Hey, I want to answer the question about what's changed in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. One um, very noticeable thing, and actually I, I recollected it this weekend when um, I was listening to an interview with um, John Kasich, And he was asked about the consequences of the United States pulling out of the Iran deal. And he said that, you know, countries like China and Russia, well, we risk countries like China and Russia, authoritarian states, of kind of, uh, you know, emerging to replace America Mm -hmm. as, you know, a responsible party. and. You know, but, but what he got me thinking about? I mean, I'm not, you know, I would never vote for John Kasich, okay? But he got me thinking about Kasich voters and Trump voters, and how in America, um, a lot of people they they actually don't like to uh, think for themselves. They actually prefer authoritarianism and um, being told what to do. And I really started noticing this when George Bush was president. So I don't want to blame, you know, everything on Trump. I think Trump's just taken advantage of that.
3: Oh, I agree. And, I agree. Um, and it, this it, is, and it, John, John Dean pointed me. this out in his it's book, really Conservatives Without a Conscience, that, or Conservatives Without Conscience, I, I think, I think this is the title, um, that about 20% of people, not just Americans, but about 20% of people have what are called authoritarian tendencies. Uh, a very small percentage of that 20%. Um, You know, way, way fewer than 1% of the population are authoritarian leader types and the majority are authoritarian follower types. And they, they are people who want to follow an authoritarian leader, which is what you're describing, uh, Dave.
10: Yeah, and, and I just wanted to add, I mean, I don't know if you intended that for this, but since I started listening to you, you've convinced me that a lot of it is because of um, economic factors. See, I never really bought off on that before until I started listening to you. And I, I think it's true. I think um, the, the, the more um, uh, perilous our economic condition is, the more uh, we tend towards um, authoritarianism as a, as a kind of um, solution, as a kind of a fix. Yeah. And it really, it scares me. It's very troubling.
3: Yeah, I think you're, you're absolutely right. Dave, and I, and I also share your concern. Thanks a lot for the call, Dave. Rob in Minnesota. Hey, Rob, what's up?
11: Hi, Tom. I work in the transportation industry, and it's where I heard that you're having a problem with a trucking company. Yeah. Well, guess what? <clears throat> most transportation companies are very conservative Republicans, and most of the truck drivers out here Are conservative Republicans. You get 10 of them put together in any one situation, and I can guarantee you uh, there's only one or two of me and a whole bunch of them. But anyway, the way I wanted to be able to take and finally get it to you is where, um, under the circumstances, guess what? You're a liberal. You've been blackballed.
3: Could be. Could be. I I don't think that this company is uh, singling me out because I'm a liberal, though, because if I. When I went on uh, Yelp and, and read the reviews, uh, there's like you know more than twenty people saying that they've had the exact same experience that we've had. I think that they're just running a business model that is uh, you know less than straightforward. And uh, but but if yeah, really
11: want, if you really want if you really want to push it a little bit farther, um, every uh, single truck out here has an ICC number on the door. Call up the Interstate Commerce Commission, make a complaint. Might be able to take and make a move a little bit.
3: Oh, that's interesting. Okay, thank you for that, Rob. Uh, appreciate the, appreciate the call. Jerry in Asheville, uh, uh, Ash, or Jenny, excuse me, in Asheville, uh, Asheville's in North Carolina, right? Jenny. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi, Jenny.
1: Hello. Hey,
3: Tom. Yes, you're on the air. We made it. Hello, hello,
1: hello, hello, What's Carolina. up? Look at Jerry. Jerry in Asheville, North Carolina. Okay. Thank you. Um, I'm just calling because, um, I haven't heard anybody put together the fact that, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Donald Trump became president, even though he really didn't want to be, but it, but if he became president, what he wanted to do was make sure that what was in it for him, and it was getting rid of the estate tax was a big thing. And I feel that what he's done by removing, you know, taking, you know, some, uh, what, 10 million people. And, and getting rid of the uh, payments that they're going to get and make it that the premiums are going to go up for them, taking basically that $7 billion that should be going there, he's going to put that towards the deficit so that whenever he gets rid of the estate tax for himself and 1.6 of the population, then he, he can say, oh, well, we didn't raise the, the deficit because we made sure that we, we got that money back in there. Although, as, as I understand it, that's actually not going to be the way it works, but I think that's the way he thinks it'll work as much as he thinks. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, what do you think?
3: I, yeah, I think that you're right, Jenny. And I also think that the, this, this piece on, on uh, over at uh, Talking Points memo this morning really, uh, it was a real eye-opener for me, the, the idea that Donald Trump does not understand win-win negotiations. He only understands win-lose. And the only way that he knows that he's winning is when he can see someone else losing. He has to see the other person lose, be humiliated, be trashed. It's why he doesn't pay contractors. It's why it's you know it's all, it explains not only his business practices but also his politics. He doesn't understand win-win strategies, and, and and therefore doesn't pursue them. He doesn't know how to do it, and and I think that you're absolutely right that basically he's he's taking down health care for average working Americans so that he can fund. Uh, tax breaks in this case the estate tax and others for for the billionaire class i think you're you're absolutely right uh very well said uh, jenny thank you for the call coming up tomorrow we'll have the latest news and information from wall street and main street all points in between plus best the rest of the news and don't forget democracy begins with you get out there show up participate tag you're it we'll see you tomorrow
2: been listening to tom hartman for audio and video archives visit tomhartman.com. hartman.com